I'm Ralph Meyer with Meyer Farms in San Marcos, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Glad to have you along once again for another edition of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we've got a big Texas Farm Bill discussion coming up soon. Next week, the House Agriculture Committee will hold a Farm Bill listening session in Waco. We'll have the details on that session coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. There's been a lot of gloomy news about Texas High Plains wheat lately. But the reality is there are some good-looking fields mixed in with the bad. I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. The importance of the jet stream for Texas weather and the possible end to the La Nina weather pattern, resulting in more precipitation for the drought-stricken state. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have comments from an atmospheric scientist on Texas Ag Today. Congress is taking aim at a bad SEC proposal that impacts farmers and ranchers. I'm Gary Joyner, and I'll have details on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Texas farmers and ranchers will have a chance to give their input on the 2023 Farm Bill next week. The chairman of the U.S. House Agriculture Committee, G.T. Thompson, will host a Farm Bill listening session in Waco on Wednesday, March 15th. The event will bring together farmers, ranchers, producers, agribusiness owners, and more to solicit public feedback on the 2023 Farm Bill reauthorization process. The event will be held at the Extraco Events Center in Waco from 2 to 4 p.m. There are less sheep in the U.S. than ever in history. The latest USDA sheep inventory count shows a pattern of declining sheep production both in the nation and right here in the nation's largest sheep-producing state. Texas A&M livestock economist David Anderson. You know, the last uh, number of years, well, certainly for decades, we've been declining in number, but the last few years is a really small, about 1% decline a year, and that's what we had this year, just under 1% in terms of our total sheep, and that's the U.S. number. Texas was down a little more than that. We were down about 3.6% in terms of all sheep. If we looked at the uh, mature ewes, we were down just over 1% in Texas almost the same as nationally and sort of in the the ewe flock number. Anderson says a drop in lamb prices, the drought, and lower demand are some reasons for the herd decline. 
There is a lot of uncertainty heading into the 2023 crop year. Farmers in South and Central Texas already have seed in the ground, while the rest of the state is getting ready to plant. Luke Etheridge is an agronomist with BASF here in Texas, and he's encouraging farmers to spread their risk as much as possible this year. Well, Kerry, I, I don't know if this is right, wrong, or different, but I feel like the financial advisor just telling guys to diversify to the point where it hurts, whether that's a crop mix or whether that's certain varieties within a certain species. You know, when we talk about cotton, a lot of guys don't like to manage four or five different varieties. They like to plant maybe two or three different varieties. I encourage you guys to go diversify to the point where it hurts um, from a management standpoint. That way you kind of spread your risk out with different maturities because you never know what the season is going to give you. You know, as long as you've got a little bit of labor and you can make some timely applications, you can do a pretty good job to kind of spread your risk out there. Etheridge feels that should help farmers deal with the huge uncertainty in the weather and the lack of available water for this crop. This has not been a good year for growing winter wheat here in Texas, but James Hunt tells us the crop is not all bad. It's been a tough season for wheat in our area with too little moisture overall and too many days recently with extremely high winds. But what kind of shape is Texas High Plains wheat really in? Crop insurance agent Rachel Myers says there's a wide range out there. Depending on what part of the region producers are in, I have some excellent wheat. I have some wheat that just really needs one rain to make it. And then we've got producers that have absolutely nothing left. So to pinpoint what this crop is, is pretty difficult right this second. And that's even true for dry land. There are producers in various parts of the region who have called it quits on their non-irrigated wheat, but Myers says that's not true everywhere. Oddly enough, in the far western panhandle, where we've just seen such a relentless drought year after year, some of our producers in the Muleshoe Friona area are actually reporting that their wheat looks really good right now. Myers says in many cases, planting times have made a difference. The producers that planted early for grazing, um, a lot of those caught those rains that we received in September and October. So their wheat has kind of held on where the later planted wheat that was going in prior to the final plant date, which for most counties here is November 15th. A lot of that wheat has just never received any measurable precipitation. What happens with our rain going forward will be crucial to this season's ultimate outcome, but for farmers who are making decisions about how far to go with their wheat, Myers says, please talk with your crop insurance agent. It seems like every single year we get to harvest and there is somebody that forgot that they had wheat insured and they grazed it out or they paid it or went to another use. Once again, that was Rachel Myers with Myers Crop Insurance in Claude. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Everyone is waiting for the projected change in the La Nina weather pattern. Tom Nicoletti has more on that upcoming change and the importance of the jet stream in our Texas weather. My guest from Champaign-Urbana, Illinois is Eric Snodgrass. He is Principal Atmospheric Scientist with Nutrient Ag Solutions. And uh, Eric looks at the weather forecast uh, when it pertains to agriculture for farming and ranching across the country, not only in the Midwest. Eric, uh, one of the things that uh, you uh, focus in on is the jet stream. Uh, To begin with, what is the jet stream? At any given time, somewhere in the mid-latitudes where we all live, there is a pretty narrow band of winds that are about six miles above our heads. And those winds can encircle the entire planet. And what they do is they they guide weather systems all across the planet. And the reason why those winds are there is because in the mid-latitudes, there's a 
temperature contrast. There's typically warm air, of course, near the equator and cold near the poles. And what that does is that changes the pressure gradient in the atmosphere and cranks up this wind. Now, why we care about it is simply because that jet stream pattern ultimately determines the frequency over which we get low pressure systems or high pressure systems. It also influences the wind shear that we get whenever we have those massive uh, spring and summer thunderstorms. Now, why is it important for the jet stream to be over Texas uh, in order for the very long La Nina that has uh, been uh, hovering over the state uh, to end? So when we think about what happens to the jet stream when there's a La Nina, it tends to retract a bit across the Pacific Ocean. It tends to bunch up into large ridges, especially in the like the Gulf of Alaska. And the problem is if you slow the jet stream down and, and change its course, if it decides to completely avoid or miss a particular area, that region is going to just miss all of the, the guidance the atmosphere can give to weather systems to bring the, the moisture, to bring the storm systems, to bring even the, the winter snow. More with Eric Snodgrass, Principal Atmospheric Scientist with Nutrient Ag Solutions on our next program. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Congress is taking aim at a bad SEC proposal that impacts farmers and ranchers. Gary Joyner has more. The Securities and Exchange Commission last year proposed making public companies provide certain climate-related information in their financial statements. The proposed rule could generate substantial costs and liabilities for farmers and ranchers. That's because farmers and ranchers provide almost every raw product that adds value to a company's supply chain, which the company must report under the proposed rule. The potential impacts to farmers and ranchers are not small. The reporting requirements could mean disclosing private and personally identifiable data. U.S. Senator John Boozman from Arkansas and Congressman Frank Lucas from Oklahoma are taking aim at the SEC rule. They've introduced the Protect Farmers from the SEC Act. The Senate and House bills would prohibit the SEC from requiring an issuer of securities to disclose greenhouse gas emissions from upstream and downstream activities in the issuer's value chain arising from a farm. The bills also clarify important definitions and outline upstream and downstream activities. They also remove the SEC's exemptive authority in relation to the Agricultural Marketing Act of 1946. All of these provisions are necessary to address a bad SEC rule for farmers and ranchers. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today. Better understanding the biology of mosquitoes may help us avoid and possibly control them. I'm Jessica Domel and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And xylazine is a commonly used drug in horses for sedation, but it's being abused. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. 
Xylazine is commonly used in horses for sedation, but Congress is considering making it a controlled drug. Dr. Bob Judd says that's because it's unfortunately being used as a street drug. Xylazine is probably the most common sedative used in horses, and those of us familiar with the drug know it is dangerous for humans. Because of this, veterinarians are very careful using this drug to make sure we or our clients do not get exposed to the drug accidentally. The Journal of the American Veterinary Medical Association, or AVMA, indicates that drug traffickers are mixing this drug with narcotics and it is causing a loss of human life. And because xylazine is not an opioid, its effects cannot be reversed with the opioid reversal drug naloxone. This makes it difficult for first responders and emergency physicians treating these cases. Although there are reversals for xylazine in veterinary medicine, these drugs are not approved in human medicine since xylazine is not approved in human medicine. The AVMA is working to prevent xylazine from becoming a controlled drug or at least allow dispensing for livestock, zoo, and wildlife use. The American Association of Equine Practitioners also believe the drug and other similar drugs of the same class should remain unscheduled as theft of the drug from veterinary practices is not the problem with diversion to human drug traffickers. The Food and Drug Administration indicated to the Texas Veterinary Medical Association that the drug is coming in the country along with the drugs with which it is being mixed, and the evidence does not support the possibility that it is being diverted from veterinary practices in this country. Regardless, Congress is still considering making it a control drug, which limits access and increases record-keeping by veterinarians. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. We all have fun fighting Texas mosquitoes. Jessica Domel has more on that never-ending mosquito fight in today's Wildlife Report. The arrival of warmer weather, at least for now, could soon mean the return of a pest that could put a damper on hunting, fishing, and other outdoor activities. Of course, we're talking about mosquitoes. Jamie Kopko of Penn State University Extension recently told USDA Radio that understanding mosquito biology may help us better control and avoid them. For example, different species of mosquitoes choose different types of water to lay their eggs in. So be mindful of standing water where mosquitoes may lay their eggs when you're outdoors. Some of them are all about a little pool of water that builds up in a clogged brain spout or a discarded tire or trash on the side of the road or something like that. They love these teeny tiny little water bodies. And then you have other types of mosquitoes that are like, give me a swamp. I want a swamp or a pond or something big. If you're working to combat mosquitoes, it may be important to look for sources of water at different distances as some can fly further than others. Some species, especially the ones that kind of go for those real small breeding areas, they tend to stay close to home. So they might never travel more than one or 200 yards their entire life. So if you can find where they're breeding and clean that up, you might make a big difference on how many mosquitoes you've got. When planning a hike or a day at the lake or just some time in your backyard, you may also want to consider the time of day that mosquitoes in that area are most active. If the mosquitoes that are causing you grief are mostly active in the evening, if you can just coordinate your outdoor time to be like, we're done with whatever we're doing outside before the mosquitoes come out, that's a really easy way to just avoid them. There are 85 species of mosquitoes in Texas. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jess. Jessica Domel. It's time to check the markets. Jessica will be back with a complete look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. 
keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, call 833-TX-HEALTH or visit 833-TXHEALTH.com. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Live cattle traded lower on Tuesday as it awaited the release of the World Agricultural Supply and Demand Estimates Report on Wednesday from the U.S. Department of Agriculture. The market was also a bit more cautious Tuesday after the April contract hit a contract high on Monday. April live cattle down 12 cents to 165.97. June live cattle down 45 cents to 160.55. August live cattle down 37 cents to 160.10. Feeder cattle traded higher Tuesday as corn traded lower. It was also supported by good demand. March feeder cattle up a nickel to 192.12. April feeder cattle up 7 cents to 198.67. May feeder cattle up 95 cents to 204.20. Boxed beef was mixed, choice down 56 cents to $289.64. Select up 3 cents to $276.50. Now let's check those livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Good day to you, my Texas neighbor. Welcome back to Granny Marble's Kitchen Table. I'm her good-looking grandson. I'm Larry Marble. Walking the pen, Texas Farm Bureau Radio. Let's get started with a look at how they sold cattle in Cameron, Milam County Livestock Auction Cameron. Kenny Mingus, how did he go Friday? We had 1343. Out of that mix, we had 332 cows, 40 bulls, 97 buyers. Walk the pens. With the steers, under 300, 170 to 270. 3 to 400 pounds steers, 155 to 268. 4 to 500 pounds steers, 139 to 258. over 500, 110 to 242 and a half. On a heifers under 300, 160 to 265. 3 to 400 pound heifers, 140 to 230. 4 to 500 pound heifers, 110 to 220. And over 570 to 197. Cows, 40 to 107. Packer bull steady at 60 to 124 and a half. On the bread cows, from 450 to 1950 on the breads. And 725 to 2300 on the pairs. What are you anticipating for this Friday? You know, I think we're kind of good. You know, should be getting in a slowdown, Larry. You know, we've had some pretty good runs through January and February. Uh, had some rain last week. Uh, got a chance of rain like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of this week. I'm thinking, you know, steady at best right now with what I know of. Right. And then we could be lighter. You know, the only thing is some of these guys, uh, some of these guys are probably going to go through and start working their spring calves, and, and they're probably going to pull some of these, you know, four weights and, yeah. and type five weight cattle that when this market's so good. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if they start doing that, I've been seeing it the last couple of weeks, some of these calves getting pretty new crop look, Phil. Yeah. You know, it, I mean, the cattle, that'd be, that'd be a string of cattle, just have all the condition in the world, and you look up in the next set, just be just be fat like it's midsummer. Mile of County Livestock, Kenny Mingus and family, they sell them over Friday. Kenny, tell everybody how to contact you. You bet we'll be at the office. Monday through Wednesday, 254-697-6697. Follow us on our webpage at milecountylivestockauction.com or catch us on Facebook. Well, neighbor, that's our livestock auction market report. We'll see you next time right here as we walk the pens. I'm Larry Marble for Texas Ag Today.
All right, thank you, Larry. April lean hogs rose a dollar thirty-two Tuesday to eighty-four eighty. May lean hogs fell a dime to ninety-two ninety-five. Black cheese fell seven cents Tuesday to a dollar eighty-four. Barrel cheese rose three cents to a dollar sixty-six. Class three milk on Tuesday started out with some gains, but fell to unchanged to lower later on in the day. March class three milk down seven cents to seventeen seventy-one a hundredweight. April class three milk down four cents to seventeen fifty-eight. We saw triple-digit losses in the cotton market on Tuesday. Analysts say it was impacted by an announcement by Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell. According to Reuters, Powell told Congress the central bank may need to raise interest rates more than expected to help rein in rising prices. May cotton down 194 points to 82.77. July cotton down 186 points to 83.58. December cotton down 161 points to 83.53. March corn down two and a half to 6.42. May corn down two and three quarters to 6.34 and a quarter. September corn down five to 5.77 and a half. That could be due to news that Brazil's second corn crop is reportedly doing well and a decline in U.S. corn exports. March hard red wheat up one and a half to 8.05 and a half. May hard red wheat up one and a half to 7.99 and a quarter. July hard red wheat up one and a half to 7.93 and a quarter. April natural gas rose nine cents Tuesday to 2.66. May natural gas up nine cents to 2.82. April crude oil down three dollars and eight cents to 77.38. May crude oil down three dollars and three cents to 77.53. The Dow fell 589 points Tuesday to 32,841. The S&P 500 down 68 to 3,980. And the NASDAQ fell 163 points to 11,512. Well, that wraps up this look at the markets. And that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. We hope you join us next time for the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel, and I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.